Welcome to Women's Hot Topics. Ladies, this show is for you. Find clarity, discernment, and discover who you are in Jesus Christ, all while exploring the hot topics of the day. She's an evangelist, founder, and president of Him for Her Ministries, and she's here to tell it like it is. Your host, Should Burry. Hey, friends. Boy, do we have an exciting show for you today. I mean, do you have like a cell phone monster living in your house? Or do you have a texting addict? Or are you kind of confused about gaming violence and what you should do and not do? What about those gaming ratings? I mean, where do we even begin with that? You know, what is good etiquette for parents on social media when it comes to their kids? What's a good age or what's too young for kids to be on social media? Facebook privacy controls. These are all things that parents think about. And of course, the one that nobody wants to talk about is the allure of pornography. And so hang with me, friends. We've got a great topic today called controlling the tech monster in your home. And it really could apply to almost anybody in your home, but we're really navigating that right toward children and how to parent in that area. And we have got an excellent guest with us today. It's Brian Hausman. Brian, thank you for coming on with us. Oh, I am so excited to be here with you guys. You know, he wrote an awesome book, uh, which I really enjoyed reading called Tech Savvy Parenting. And he touches base on all of these things that we're talking about today. Let me tell you a little bit about Brian. Brian has been working with parents and teenagers for more than 20 years. He has served in a variety of positions, such as a youth pastor, school administrator, teacher pastor, camp director, etc. Brian speaks at multiple conferences, churches, schools, camps, military bases, and internationally. He has led student and parent programs from coast to coast. And you know what I want you to understand is that Brian is a prolific writer for different parenting magazines. Probably you've you've heard of them. Um, Parenting magazines, Parenting Teens and Parenting Life. He's the author of Engaging Your Teens World and also Raising Responsible Teens in a Digital World. He is the executive director of the 360 Family Conference. And Brian and his wife, Mona, have two teenagers of their own. Besides loving and shaping their own children, together they enjoy coaching who? You guys, as we're listening in. Welcome, Ryan, to our show. Man, you make me sound way better than I am. That's for sure. Yeah, no, you You know, I only invite on the best on Women's Hot Topics. So I'm really thankful that you're on with us. Um, you know what I liked about your website? You had said that you like to connect parents' hearts with teens' hearts and teens then with God. And I love the way that all of the things we're going to talk about today, God is at the center of it. Um, And so thank you for that. And thank you for highlighting God in all of this. Um, But let's just get right down to it. You know, your chapters um, that I had just mentioned briefly at the beginning in your book, I'd love to just touch base a little bit with a few of them just to kind of whet our appetites and allow our listeners to understand uh, what you do and what the book is all about. So hang with me here for a minute, Brian. So the first one, controlling the cell phone monster. What are some tips and techniques that you have for that? Well, I, I don't I don't know of anything that drives us absolutely crazy as parents and grandparents as much as trying to control the technology in our kids' lives. Because, I mean, honestly, they they know way more about this than we do. And I think that's the first step. It's almost like a confession, like an AA program for technology. Like, we just need to say, hello, my name is Brian, and my kids know more than me. <laughs> You know, 
so we can get over this illusion that somehow we're 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 really the ones controlling it all when they are light years ahead of us you know so um it, it's hard to even think about how do we control this but i think the first step is just we've got to understand you know the kind of the psychology the sociology behind it like understand why, why is your kid drawn to this in the first place? Like, why does your kid want to be on social media? Why does your son, why is he so attracted to digital porn? Like, why, why does a 12-year-old girl want to go in her bedroom and unbutton her shirt and take a picture of herself and send it to a boy? You know, I get, because if we don't understand this, then we can't help them to make a more wise choice, you know, the next time, whenever they fall in that pit. And so, you know, uh, in the United States, seven years ago, the average age in which a child got their first cell phone was at the age of 14 and a half. And now seven years later, it's the age of 11. Uh, I just got a phone call from a, um, a, campus, a uh, campus counselor at a private school in Houston yesterday. They've asked me to come down in March to speak at their school because he said now they have the average age that kids are getting phones in their school is fifth grade. I'm like, these are, these are nine-year-olds, you know, 10-year-old, 11-year-olds. Like, are you serious? You know, last year in the United States, we spent $2 billion to buy smartphones for 9, 10, 11, 12-year-olds. And really what we're giving these kids as parents is we're giving them a device that gives them access to anyone, anywhere, any time of the day. And so, you know, I think part of it, you know, Shug, before we get into hey, what are some tips to how do we control it is we, we got to own it, you know, as moms and dads that we, we haven't done a great job. And I don't mean that to beat us up, but, you know, we have to live in reality and we just really haven't done a great job of just monitoring what's going on with the technology in our kids' lives. So, um, you know, you asked for some tips. So, you know, here's one of them. One of the things that we did when our kids were younger and our kids are in their 20s now, I need to update that bio. Uh, they are, my daughter's actually a high school teacher and my son is a technical writer. And, um, but one of the things that we did when they were younger in our home is that all meals were technology free. So that whenever we're having family time, if we're out to eat together, if we're watching a movie together, if we're sitting at the table together, no screens. And that doesn't go just for our kids. It was for all of us because I'm not the president. I'm not that important. So, I mean, get this, the average family meal takes 18 minutes. That's it. So mom is going to stand in the kitchen for 45 minutes to an hour making it. And then your kids are going to scarf it down in 18 minutes. And then for most of us, they're sitting there on their phones, you know, at the table or at the restaurant. And so it's just such a simple, easy thing to say, hey, our family time is going to be technology free. Not because technology is bad but just because we want some eyeball time with each other. <laughs> we can't do that, you know, if we got these things right there in front of us, you know, keeping us away from one another. So that's one of the huge ones. Um, another thing that we did was we had a time of day and a location boundary when it came to the cell phones. And so for our kids, when they first got their cell phones, um, they, they were never, they were not allowed to have their cell phones in their bedroom at night like when it's sleeping time, because we would teach our kids, it's not because I think you're bad or you're going to get yourself in trouble, but it's because my job as dad, your job as mom is to protect your kid's heart and mind. 
And I can't do that if I'm allowing you to have a device in your room that's going to one, we know scientifically, it's gonna keep you awake. You're gonna lose an, on average one hour of sleep a night as a child because of late night texting. And so, you know, I wanna, I wanna remove that distraction because nighttime is for sleeping. Daytime is for talking and communication. So we just began to help our kids by removing all devices like an hour uh, when they were young. And then we moved it to 45 minutes, then 30 minutes into high school before bedtime, all screens go away so that their brains can tell the bodies that it's time to get ready for rest. It's time to get ready for sleep. So we never had one fight, not once ever at bedtime about screens in their bedrooms because we, we just began to train them when they were young. You know, like when your kids are, you know, four, five, six, and they're just getting started just touching screens, you know, you're setting down those healthy boundaries of, of where we can go with it, where we can't go with it in our home, who you can talk to, not talk to, what times in the day can you use, use it and not use it, because it's all about creating a healthy rhythm for their mind and heart. You know, those are great tips. And, you know, some kids are like addicts. And and I think that those are, I mean, on their phones. And I just think that that's, those are great <laughs> suggestions um, not to keep their head in the phone so much. And, you know, um, one of the big questions you talked about, you know, youth and uh, young, young children touching and playing with phones when they're little, and it's a good way to set boundaries, which is a great suggestion. But how old should a child be before they start to enter into social media? Yeah, that's actually the number two question that I get asked all the time. Like I, when, I, when I do a QA and a at a conference, I, I can just, in my head, I know what questions are gonna be asked. Um, and the number one question is always, when should I let my kid get a cell phone? And the number two question is, hey, when is a good age to let kids on social media? And, and to me, both answers are a little bit similar in that there is no magical age. You know, right now, when it comes to cell phones, there's a trend going around schools, a cliche, where they're now saying, wait till eight. And so schools, our public schools, are now encouraging parents to just wait at least until eighth grade, you know, before you allow your kid to have these devices. Because the schools know, you know, what a, um, not just academic distraction, but an emotional, mental, spiritual distraction it is for our kids to constantly be connected to devices. Um, and social media is the same thing. There was, there was actually a TikTok during um, the COVID shutdown. Uh, TikTok decided to do some research where they um, got permission from some parents to, to, to track their kids to find out um, which when their kid, their child is at home during the shutdown and they're on the TikTok app, how long did they stay on there? What kind of profiles did they go to? Um, as well as, you know, is your kid even 13 years old and should they be on here or not? And it was a remarkable, Shug, what they found out because the typical kid was on the app for eight hours, eight hours, this one app, eight A hours day. out of the day. Oh my gosh. So, oh my goodness. Like, and this is, this is I, when I go to public schools and private schools, I, I'll, I'm up on stage and I, I walk kids through with a big dry erase board so I can all see it. This scenario is I'll say to them, hey, just, just talk to me out loud from the audience. You know, just scream your answer out. When you're on your TikTok, and parents, if you don't know how TikTok works, I'm, I'm, most of us do, that you're, you're staring at a profile, a quick video, and you decide whether or not you're going to watch it. And if you don't want to watch it, you scroll up. 
and the next one comes up. And so I asked kids, I said, when you look at a TikTok, when it pops up on your screen, how long do you decide whether or not you're going to watch it or scroll and, and skip it? And the typical answer is two seconds. So I said, sorry, big two up on the board, two seconds. So that means in one minute, how many videos you get to watch? Of course, the answer is 30. So you get to watch 30. Now, really what that is, mom, get this. That's not 30 videos. That's 30 voices that are speaking into your child, telling them what they should dress, what they should believe, what their orientation should be, who they should vote for, what they should laugh at, what they should think is funny, um, what their interests should be, their hobbies need to be, what music to listen to. I mean, it's basically 30 voices telling them this is how you need to shape your life, you know, as an adolescent. That's in one minute. Now, we know that the typical teenager spends nine and a half to ten and a half hours a day plugged into media. That's all the media in their life every single day. That's more than the amount of time they're at school. We also know the average mom spends six and a half minutes a day in conversation with her kids. Hmm. Six and a half minutes a day. That's constructive conversation, not things like, hey, go pick up your clothes, come to the dinner table, how was school? It's like actual conversation, six and a half minutes a day. The typical dad, four and a half minutes a day. But that same child, that same teenager is going to spend two hours of that 10 on media, two hours a day, every day, just on social media. Now, like, mom, wrap your mind. This is mind boggling, Shug, to get this, is that if they're spending two hours a day, every day, 365 days a year, that comes to exactly one month. 365 times two is 30 days, which we know is one month. So what that means is that one twelfth of your children, your grandchild's existence on earth is just to look at social media. You know, that's just sad. That's I all I gotta say. I, I, that's I, just sad. And I, I, so I, what I tell kids all the time is we, we have to use technology without it using us. We have to own it without it owning us. And when all of a sudden we're spending so much time on these things that we're losing part of our humanity. And of course, we know this as grownups. We saw it during COVID shutdown where even us were stuck at home for hours on these devices. And the more removed we get from one another, you know, like you and me right now talking on this screen, there's somewhat of a familiarity because we get to see each other in the eyeballs. but there's still, you know, it's still vicarious because I haven't met you. We're not having coffee face to face. So it's a little bit easier on social media to get snarky with someone, to get impolite with them, to get short with them, to even just cut them off. Mm -hmm. Now you and I are trying to have a pleasant conversation. You remember what it's like when it came to like politics and things like that you know, as grownups. Now put that in the head of a 12 year old that doesn't have the life experience to understand even really how relationships work, how boundaries work yet. And now they're being exposed to all these things for 10 hours a day, every day, that really what it's doing is those 30 voices every single minute are shaping the worldview of your children. And I know that we can't spend hours and hours a day as mom and dad, but surely we can do better than six and a half minutes. Mm -hmm. I you think so too. Yeah, and really that just comes down to like us as, as moms and dads, like this is just so huge to me is that when we are with our kids, let's be all in.
Yeah. Let's Amen. be all in with them. And activities are huge too. Doing things together, not Absolutely. just in, yeah, and and yeah, like, and talking and and you know we talked. We had an interview. Uh, what it was called one you know one conversation where we have a conversation throughout their whole entire life together. Please uh, look that up, friends. But I mean, I think that's really what the key is: is that we need to establish that face to face, eye to eye communication with our kids. And you know, you brought up so many good points when you were sharing. You talked about boundaries and. Um, you know, learning, uh, teaching your children how to not allow uh, uh, social media to own you, but you would own it, etc. So where do parental uh, controls come in in all of this? Mm -hmm. Yeah, when our kids first started using social media, we decided to use some parental control devices, apps, to be able to monitor what they were seeing, what they were uh, we could potentially monitor what they see or who's contacting them. Now on, on things like uh, Bark, uh, B-A-R-K, it's one of the most popular uh, social media monitoring apps out there. Uh, things like NetNanny is another very popular one. Um, and, and there's some free ones out there. Uh, I think a lot of times you get what you pay for, you know, and so it's, it's to me wise to invest a few dollars a month in if you're gonna use some kind of monitoring app. Now, before I talk about the monitoring app, I, I got to say that the best monitor of our kids' social media is us, mm -hmm. not an app. That's right. And so we, we actually did check our kids' social media. Now, the way that we did it, because I, I have to walk through this on stage with parents to help them see it, is that one, we never made an announcement like Friday night is pizza night and check your social media time, you know, because then it was like, oh, no, it's, it's almost six o'clock. I got to go here and clean all this up, you know? But instead, what we're trying to do is create reasonable accountability. And reasonable accountability doesn't mean that I know everything. You know, that if I have someone that is a, a male partner for me, that's an accountability partner, that's really there in my life to just remind me of who I declare I am and want to be with my life as, as a man, as a father, you know, as a husband, as a friend, you know, that person doesn't know everything happening in my life but there's reasonable accountability. And so the way that that works, you know, with our kids when they were you know, 13, 14, 14, first to get on social media is that um, we would, I would just say at the dinner table, oh, I need to, I need to see your phone for just a minute. You know, can you, can you log into your Instagram? You know, can you open up your TikTok? And then we would sit there and do it together, like face-to-face, -face, looking at each other, scrolling through, looking at her Instagram just for two minutes. That's it. Now remember, you know, I think that's a great concept when they're young, but I yep. think it could be a real challenge when they're a teenager. Don't look at my phone, mom. What are you talking about? Where's my privacy? You know, this and that. How do you overcome that? I can't, it can be, but I, again, I think some of it goes back to, I know we're all in very different places as parents in terms of how much we've leaned in and and, and, and sometimes we've forgotten to lean in, you know, and monitor things and just relationally connect. And, and so one, I just want to encourage you wherever you are in the process, just be there. You know, if you feel like you're the mom that's just completely neglected things, start where you are today. Don't beat yourself up. Man, we, we, we've got way too many spiritual enemies, emotional enemies, as well as just the voices in our heads constantly beating us up as parents trying to make us feel like we're failures. So just wherever you are right now, relationally with your kid, just be there, just start there today. And so I know for us, 
our our kids they didn't go through that phase of being like whoa 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 what what, what do you want my phone because we relationally connected all along the way i mean from childhood i mean think you're the one that as a mom you you taught your kids how to tie their shoes you helped them learn how to ride their bicycle. You taught them how to brush your teeth. You know, you, you, you taught them all these things when they were children. And then now when they start entering adolescence and they get a cell phone, they get on social media, you want to continue to help them to see that the most important thing is not this device, but the most important thing is our relationship with each other. So we're still doing life together. And um, so I for, for us, our kids didn't give us that, that, you know, like, whoa, 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 why do you want my phone? Because it was never their phone. It was, you know, like it was a gift and there's accountability. And so one of the things I would say to my kids, if my daughter or our son ever said, wait, what, what, why do you get to look at my phone? I could say, here, you can, here, I'll, I'll trade with you. Yeah. How, about, how about you look at mine and I'll look at yours, you know, because I'm trying to communicate what you're trying to communicate as a parent is that we do life together and we live life out in the open together. We're not going to have secrets, you know, from one another. The other thing is that it takes down, it helps lower their inhibition as, as, as a teenager. When you step into that environment with them, that situation with them, not as the authority figure, but you step in as the advocate. You're like, mom, why do you want to see my phone? You know, I, sweetie, I know, I know it's uncomfortable for you and, and know it causes you some level of anxiety for me to look at your phone, but I don't want to look at it because I think you're, you're up to no good. It's not because I think you're a bad person. It's because my job is to protect you. And I just want to make sure that you and I are on the same page when it comes to what it is we're doing with social media. So you keep saying we, us, it's not about you and what you did wrong, you know, so it's, you're, you as a parent are trying to retrain your teenager's brain to hear that family is always first. Man, uh, your family is your safer protection. It's your place of refuge. You know, so you don't have to be afraid of mom and dad seeing what you're doing. You know, um, I would say to my kids, I know this is a little bit off from technology, but again, if to me, it's just it's just part of healthy parenting. I remember when my kids got to be teenagers on their 13th birthday, you know, I said to each of them from this day forward, I will always treat you like a man. I'm always going to treat you like a woman, you know? And so part of that is that you're, I would never embarrass one of my friends in public. And so as your dad, I'm making a commitment that I'm never going to make you the butt of a joke in public. I'm never going to embarrass you in front of your friends. I'm never going to call you out in front of your friends, you know? And so what I'm doing is I'm trying to continue to relationally connect. So there's trust being built. And um, so, I mean, all that to say, you know, should I, got, I know it's hard. There's, there's that natural clash that happens in adolescence as they are striving for independence and as they are striving for autonomy and to figure out who they are. But you just want to, as a mom, to continue to remind them that I am for you, not against you. I am in your corner and I, I wanna lift you up. I wanna champion who you are. And so sometimes that means I gotta be up in the, in the, in the nitty gritty with you seeing yeah. what it is that you're seeing. You know, I, I, I agree with what you're saying on that and it's a challenge and I do ask you friends to pray before uh, you start this new way of life with your kids 
And, you know, I loved what you said. It's not too late. Start right where you are. Um, a lot of parents have questions about um, violence, and especially now that you see so much school violence, et cetera, and they try to relate it back to video game violence and moral behavior. So what are your thoughts around video gaming, uh, the violence in it, and some of that moral behavior? Yeah, video games are the number one activity in America among adolescent males. So more, more adolescent, no, no, it's, it's not just males that play video games, but you know, again, just generally speaking, let's focus on that. So um, it's the more of them play video games each week, 90% of all adolescent males play video games at least once a week. That's more than they will spend time in school, more than they spend time on social media, as well as play athletics, that they're going to play video games. And so as a, and then that's important for us to know as a parent, because if I don't understand that for, for my, my teenage boy, one, it's an avenue for social connection to his peers, and it's a way for him to release some, some built up a natural God-given aggression. You know, that he, he is wired for adventure. You know, he is wired for risk. And so to vicariously, you know, be playing Call of Duty and feel like, man, I get to be the soldier in here killing the, you know, the Nazis, you know, is like an adrenaline rush. And it, and it literally is an adrenaline rush because we know uh, the serotonin and the dopamine being released in his brain, her brain, while they're playing the game. So again, I have to understand all that before I just walk in and say, hey, no, no more games, get off the games. You know, we're not playing games anymore, you know? And then now I've just demonized all games or made games a bad thing or made it a punishment to take it away. When really what my 13 year old is he hearing when I say as a parent, get off the games, no more games today. What he hears is my mom really doesn't want me hanging out with my friends. You know, and so again, I'm not I'm not advocating for the game. I'm just saying I understand why it's a value to him to play the game. So there's been over 100 studies done now, Shug, concerning video game violence to try to figure out does doesn't it have any kind of effect on the moral decision making uh, of the adolescent male? And uh, 98 out of 100 studies have concluded that yes, it has a temporal, meaning like a temporary uh, shift in their moral decision, their ethical decision-making. Meaning like um, while they're playing video games, they turn and they hit a wall or they, they punch their, sis, their little sister, you know, or push somebody, or they just scream, they yell. Um, because all of a sudden now, because of what they're experiencing the game, and, and all of the adrenaline happening in their mind, it causes this cloudy confusion of more relativity of what's right. Now, that doesn't mean that a 14-year-old that plays a violent game is going to go violently hurt someone six months from now. But what we do know is that the more that we you know, digest something into our life, the more it's going to become part of the rhythm of our life. And so I, I would just encourage you that whatever whatever games that you allow your kids to play, that you are aware of the content of the game. And it's really easy to do. There's a free app called ESRB, -E I'm sorry, ESRB. And it's a free app, ESRB, that you can download. And then what you do is when you walk in the video game store or Walmart or GameStop or wherever, and your kid wants the latest Grand Theft Auto 6, which please say no to that, 
you know, that but you walk in and you just scan with a barcode with that app open. And the app is going to tell you from the entertainment industry themselves why it has the rating that it does, as well as all the potential violent sexual content of the video game so that you as a parent can make an informed choice of whether or not you want your kid to be exposed to this. Because we, you know, we, we, we are the ones that buy the games primarily. And so we can't expect healthy outcomes if we're giving unhealthy stimulus. So if we control the pocketbook of what they get for their birthdays and Christmas, then we could at least do a little bit of a homework to know what it is that we're going to be buying for our kids. Mm -hmm. There's a whole chapter in the Tech Savvy Parenting book on understanding video game ratings, as well as I break down some of the information from uh, the effects of violent video games and everything from like school violence to interpersonal relationships at home to their mental health and how um, they uh, different video games that they had them play in different research studies from we're talking like Harvard, Cambridge, like, you know, uh, uh, recognizable uh, higher ed academic institutes that have studied this stuff and have concluded that, yeah, it really is affecting our kids. It is and, affecting uh, our kids. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I think too, I, there's nothing wrong, uh, moms and dads, with just sitting down next to your kids and playing the game with them. Absolutely. I mean, you know, that might give you a whole new bond and a whole new relationship as well, as you can yeah. also see what the content is on it. And it's not that you're saying, no, I don't want you to do this, but hey, let's do this together. Yeah. And that might be another way to bond with your kids. I, um, I you know, appreciate you saying that, Shug, because I know it's easy for us to sound like we are demonizing all of this, making all of this to be bad. When... I think so much of life, especially from the perspective that you and I come from, it's about how do we redeem the things that are around us? And so like with the video games, one of the boundaries we had when our son sir, you know, got his first Xbox, you know, back in middle school is we said, hey, you can only play it. You know, again, it was all about stages, you know, about appropriate boundaries. So when he was younger, it was you can only play it in the family room. You can't unplug it and take it to your bedroom. Not that he ever had a TV in his bedroom anyway, but you can't play in your bedroom. Uh, and then there was a time of day boundary, like a limit. And so when our kids were little and, you know, they were using like a Nintendo Wii, remember those things way back then? And so we would have an egg timer, a cooking timer that we would sit on the television and we would set it for 30 minutes. And we would say, they'd say, hey, mom, can I play some video games? Yes, you can play for 30 minutes. And so you get to control the time. You know, like if you don't pay 20 minutes now and 10 minutes later or all 30 minutes now, whatever you want, but you get to determine when you play and, but it's going to be for 30 minutes. And when it goes ding, ding, then I get up and turn the game off. And yeah. what I did is it taught my kids time management. It taught them self-control, you know, because like, well, that's a big thing. The self-control is absolutely. a huge thing. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, now that we're talking about self-control, there's two topics I want to make sure we hit on before we close um, together because our time is going so fast. And, you know, it's a big concern of parents and that's the internet pornography. And the second thing is, um, you know, video chatting and bullying and some of those things together. And I know you addressed it in your book. So friends, please pick up his book called Tech Savvy Parenting, and you can find it on their website, 360family.org. But can you just briefly touch on uh, those thoughts for me as far as um, pornography, video chatting, and cyberbullying? Yeah, absolutely, Shug. Um, 
I, I believe that cyberbullying is one of the two biggest issues that our kids are trying to figure out uh, when it comes to technology and, and digital porn is the other one. And, um, you know, I, I, I'm not going to make an argument for or against what a, a grown adult should be able to do in their own home. But I think all of us could agree that when the average child's exposure to digital porn is between nine and 11, hmm. a child doesn't even understand what they're seeing. And yet we know, I mean, we, we, we know from all kinds of studies that have been done, how it psychologically, emotionally, mentally affects them when they're seeing these things. And, and let's just set aside the whole, like, you know, my 11 year olds watching a sex video thing. We're talking like what it does to them mentally in terms of, can you imagine you're a 12 year old girl and now you're seeing this. And for you now, this becomes in your mind, oh, this is, this is beauty. Like this is, this is what it means to be beautiful. This is what I keep hearing about what it means to be hot. Boys keep talking about being hot on social media. Is, is this what hot is? Because I, 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 I kind of want to be hot, but I didn't know that's what it was. And, and because they don't even understand what it is that they're seeing. And so uh, we, we as parents have to be very careful how we walk into those situations with our kids when we find out that they've seen things like this, that we don't come into it from a, a bent of shame, you know, from a posture of shame. Because, you know, that, especially the younger they are when they see it, they don't, it's not like a 10-year-old, you know, decided one day, I want to understand what sex is, so I'm going to go look at porn. They, they don't even, most of them never even heard the word porn before. But they've, they've heard some things at school on their, you know, their, their rec league basketball team, the cheerleading squad, and so, or, or at youth group, you know, at church. And so now they go to Google, and that's the first place that most children see digital porn is on Google search because they're looking for answers to something. They've heard something and don't know what it is, you know, and, and now they're doing a word search. And if we, again, if we don't have the appropriate blockers and safety software on our laptops, our phones, our, our handheld devices, uh, including the video game systems, then your kids are gonna be, any, anything that pops up in those search results are gonna be able to click on. You know, it's no coincidence that in scripture, God says, flee from sexual immorality. And I think that's really important to understand. Um, you know, uh, I work with inmates, it's not an uncommon thing, and sex offenders really struggle with uh, this situation. And so God tells us to flee, flee from sexual immorality. I think it's important to educate your children, like you mentioned. I think it's really important to sit down with them and explain things, but those parental controls could not be more important. Uh, so thank you for touching on that. It's a tough yeah, topic, I, but you do talk about it in your book. It's important um, as when you're your child, you're going to start letting them on. We decided for our kids, let me back up, that if the average child's first exposure is between nine and 11, that either we could play a fool and act like it's not going to happen to our kids because, you know, hey, I'm the tech guy that talks about this stuff. Should both of my children saw it in our home by the age of 11. We had all kinds of safety blockers are back when we had a home computer, you know, remember those big things? Um, it was in the living room where everyone could see it. We had time of day blockers where all the devices would just shut down at a certain time of the day. We had, we, they weren't allowed to have devices in their bedrooms. And yet we did everything we could. And yet both of them saw it in our home by 11. Now, it wasn't because we were doing, we were lapsed in, in our parenting. 
It's because there is a very real enemy that you and I and many of your audience know of. And scripture tells us that when Jesus says in John 10, 10, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy, mm -hmm. he's not just being poetic. He's saying legit that our spiritual enemy has an end game in mind, which begs the question, as a mom and dad, what is your end game? Is, is your end game behavior modification? Is it sin management? I could just control my kids' behavior a little bit better? Or is it how do I partner with the Holy Spirit to transform my child's heart, which I think we could both agree requires so much more time and intention, investment in their life of having these conversations. So we just decided if our kids are going to be exposed between nine and 11, let's start talking about it at 10. Mm -hmm. And we didn't call it porn. We just talked about it at 10. Why do we put clothes on our bodies? You know, and a 10 year old can talk about that. And what we're doing is now we're helping them to think about bodily autonomy. Mm -hmm. We're helping, and when we got to be like, you know, 11, we talked about like, you know, who gets to see your body these days? And they're like, nobody sees my body. I was like, exactly, no one, like, I don't even see it anymore. The doctor, that's it, you know? So because, you know, by the age of 12, we know that more than one out of three of all girls said that some boy on social media has already said SN which stands for sin nudes. So basically, can you imagine like you're, you're a 13 year old who every one of them struggled with their body image. And now some 14 year old boy on social media is saying, you are not worth my time unless you send me a picture of your body first. I know that just like, breaks my that, heart. Like psychologically, you yeah. know, how, how, what that does. So the earlier that we began to have these conversations to reinforce to our children, to help them understand that you alone get to decide mm -hmm. who gets to see you. You alone get to decide what you put in front of your eyes. You know, you alone get to decide what your image is going to be. And so every day, every day, mom and dad, find creative ways Mm -hmm. just drop those little nuggets into their life. If they're going to hear hours and hours and hours a day, and we get six and a half minutes and four and a half minutes. Yeah. That time, you know, but it, it, your book is so helpful and you address those things as well in it. Uh, you also talk about um, video chatting, which is some of what you had just talked about, you know, send me a picture of yourself. What does this look like? Um, and you talk about the best ways to handle it in your book as well. Um, cyber bullying, what to do. Can you just touch on that? We have like three minutes left. Absolutely. Uh, uh, almost one out of close to, it was between 33 and 35% of all teenagers say that they have now been a victim of cyberbullying, which is basically using a screen, using a device to say to someone else that because of your body type, your learning disability, your, your beliefs, your orientation, your skin color, I think that you're a lesser person than me. And I'm going to tell everybody else why I think this. And so we, we know that now kids will go on to uh, things like, um, like Be Real, you know, which is a new social media app. They'll go into things like Be Real or Snapchat and post uh, three pictures of a girl from their middle school. And just a question, which one would you, A, B, or C? Now, could you imagine, like, you're, you're, you're in the eighth grade at your local high school, I mean, middle school, and now you see your picture pop up. And in knowing that every boy in your middle school is sexually objectifying you now, you know, we that there is not a week that has gone by in the last 
in the last four years, there's, there's not been a child that has taken their life because of cyberbullying. Like it is, we're talking epidemic because um, one, we are raising a generation of young men that don't know the value of women, that don't know how to speak, to touch, and to treat a young lady appropriately. You know, and you hit that and, on the head. And I think that's a great topic just right there. Mm -hmm. That young men or young boys need to understand and appreciate how to treat a woman. I agree wholeheartedly. We, there is so much that I know you and I could talk about. And um, there would is- Would you come back on again? Oh, I would love to. Absolutely. I, I we, do this. this is my full-time job. So we absolutely. would love to have you come back on again. Yeah. And, you know, that would be a good topic just right there. I mean, yeah. there's still so many questions that we have. And yeah. I know that our friends- uh, would like to find you. Where's the best for the uh, place for them to look you up? Well, there's there's uh, several different ways. One is uh, our main website is called 360family.org. That's 360family.org. And then uh, we we have a, a brand new resource that was launched just a few months ago on Instagram called Screen Smart Parent. Screen Smart Parent and. Um, we have, we have not paid for any subscribers. We've not paid for any visitors. And uh, it, 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 is, it is incredibly humbling, like uh, how quickly this resource has taken off. Um, we're talking over 100,000 parents that have engaged with us in less than three months. Well, it just and, shows you how uh, hungry parents are for absolutely. this information. You know, and so uh, you can connect with us on Instagram. Um, we do live events on there as well as Facebook live events periodically. And so if you follow us on Facebook or on Instagram at Screen Smart Parent, um, that uh, we will notify you when we have those live events each month, as well as I travel full time speaking at schools, churches, military bases, PTA groups, homeschool conferences. And so, um, you know, if you're interested, you can go onto our website and there is a speaker inquiry that you can fill out there. Uh, there's another resource we launched uh, two years ago that um, has, it was another one of those things that we just were not expecting it. And it's called Screen Smarts. And it's a paid version of the free Instagram. And uh, it, it's a 53 week online technology course for parents. And it costs less than a dollar a week. And so it's a 53 week course. And every Monday morning, if you subscribe, uh, every Monday morning at 8 a.m., you're going to get a six-minute video or a podcast or an article and then one action step. Like, here's just one thing, not a bullet list, just one thing new I want you to do with you and your kids this week involving technology so that you can continue to grow and improve yourself as a mom or dad. So if you're interested in that, you can uh, go to our website at, uh, at techsavvyparenting.com or to Screen Smarts uh, on Screen Smart Parent on Instagram and find out more about the Screen Smart class. Uh, it typically costs $49. And now we have over 93,000 emails that are going out every Monday morning to parents. I mean, it's wow. just been mind boggling. Like you're, you're exactly right. It has really hit a nerve with parents because we will spend so much money on going to the gym money on our, our people doing our taxes for us. I mean, all these things we'll throw money at, but the last thing we'll spend money on is bettering ourselves as a mom or dad. And so if you're interested in the Screen Smart class, we are actually doing a $10 off discount as part of this podcast. And so if you go to either techsavvyparenting.com or to on Instagram at Screen Smart Parents, and you can get a link there to the class and you just put in the discount code of SUG which that should be familiar to all you guys listening and put in her name 
and then it's going to take $10 off that course for you guys. You know, we really appreciate that because I'm really encouraging um, women and men who are listening to please go there and sugar spelled S-H-U-G. Please go there, look them up um, also on 360family.org. They have a, bl a blog on there where they talk about different topics, uh, ways to make your family times the best time. That's one example. Things to do if cyberbullied, words of wisdom a teen should know. I mean, really, there's just a plethora of information um, on all those sites. And if you're watching us on YouTube, we're going to have all of these, link list, all these links listed there. If you go to our webpage, which is himforher.org, H-I-M, number four, her, her.org, you will see our logo uh, for 360 Family. You can just click on it and we'll take you right there. So friends, I hate to have to conclude. Brian, you and I have so much more to talk about, but thank you for coming on and I hope and pray you'll come back again. Absolutely. You yeah, know, and yes. God bless you and everything that you're doing to help us as parents uh, navigate this crazy world, especially when we have uh, a tech monster living in our house. we got to find ways to control that. Uh, Father God, I thank you so much for the time you gave us together here. And I pray that you will encourage each and every mom and dad that are listening, that they will find ways to not only connect and communicate with their children, but also protect them from some of this crazy world we live in. And Jesus, we trust and know that you are guiding us every step of the way through your Holy Spirit. And it's in your name we pray. Amen. Friends, this is Shug Burry. You know I love you. Over and out.